Today what we want to do is continue a series on the Holy Spirit. Last week, Pastor Garrison took us into John, and I want to build on that for us this morning. He took us into John, and we could see that the Holy Spirit's enabling love and power in our lives helps us, it convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment. That was powerful for me. And we, uh, we love the paraclete, the person of the Holy Spirit, the one who is our friend that comes alongside, that lives within us and teaches and trains us in the ways of, of God. But also he, he talked about in John chapter 16 that the Holy Spirit is kind of behind the scenes in the Trinity and, and he takes what is from Christ and he makes it known to us. Somehow, some way, mysteriously, through the written word of God, by his illuminating work, we see Christ. And he is, we'll call it a spotlight on Christ, allowing us to see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That was powerful for me yes, last week. And I just want to build on that. In John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. I want to do this because I believe that there is a danger today. A danger that lurks in our culture. A danger that resides in modern mind. A danger that seeps into or either or even propagates out of churches in our land. It's a danger that visits us. It's a danger that will go after the next generation. And it's not just dangerous, it's damning. And so this message is a serious tone concerning this danger. We could call it presumptive regeneration. That might be a funny way of saying it, though. Maybe we could just call it taking for granted regeneration. This regeneration, this new birth, this second birth, a rebirth. I'll be using those and perhaps other terms interchangeably. I don't mean anything different. I'm just lumping them all because the Bible uses uh, a variety of ways of talking about the topic for this morning. But this danger assumes regeneration, this danger just kind of looks at what we say and what we do, and we conclude, oh, this person must be born again. This person must have eternal life. This person must be destined to glory with Jesus Christ. Say, do, troubles me. It troubles me because anyone can say certain creeds or say good and helpful and accurate things, and even do certain good and helpful and accurate things half-heartedly or no-heartedly. It's called hypocrisy, isn't it? And we're going to look at that today in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. What I want to do today is say that the promises of the new covenant have arrived. 
And the beginning of the kingdom of God is here. And rebirth is required to enter this kingdom. This second birth is brought about by the Spirit, resulting in belief in the Son. And so what we're going to do today, that's, that's the message right there. If you listen to that you can, and you think that's enough, you can get up and walk out. I mean, that, that's the message, but I'm going to try to unfold that and present it and place it upon our hearts in a helpful way. But what I'm going to do is just follow the text. There's an internal outline that's given to us. It's easily followable. We all can see it as we open up our Bibles. So as I'm preaching, you can glance up at me, but please gaze down at the Word of God and look into the Word because it's there. This is how it works. Jesus is telling the truth about something. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't use that phrase as if there's a contrast as opposed to, you know, when he doesn't tell the truth. John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus looks at people and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the, comes to the Father except through me. He, he doesn't just tell the truth. He is the truth. He is who he is, namely truth. But in this passage, it fascinated me that it's a dialogue, and it's with Nicodemus and Jesus, and we're going to be eavesdroppers. We're going to come alongside, and we're just going to lend an ear, and we're going to listen to a dialogue. And anytime you listen to a dialogue, you're going to start picking up values. You're going to start picking up beliefs. You're going to pick up what we prize, what we're pursuing, you know, the good life. We're going to eavesdrop into this dialogue, and we're going to hear Jesus look directly at Nicodemus, and he's going to tell the truth about the necessity of rebirth. He's going to tell the truth about the necessity of the work of the Spirit, and he's going to tell the truth about the necessity of the work of the Son. And there's your outline And you'll hear it when he responds and he says, truly, truly, I say to you. And then another response, truly, truly, I say to you. And then the final response, truly, truly, I say to you. I think he's getting a point across that truly, truly, it could be translated amen and amen. This is reality. And I'm speaking into your Life, Nicodemus, because I love you. And speaking the truth with the Holy Spirit brings forth regeneration. And I want you to be born again. And so, that's where we're going. It will be the necessity of those three points. And then we'll close in 1 Peter chapter 1 with an application. And the application is pretty simple. I'm aiming at, I've been praying for, I want every human being in this cafeteria to experience regeneration if you haven't already experienced it. I'm crying out for miracles. That's what I'm doing. And also that those who are regenerate will help others do the same. 
And that's an interesting little twist that Peter puts on it. And I want to apply that to our lives. So I'm going to ask very simply that he will do what he sets out to do. Uh, Then I'll ask us to stand, we'll read, and then I'll preach. Gracious Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, with great boldness and confidence, knowing that all that he has done paved the way to access to the Holy of Holies, that I can, with confidence, call you Abba and put before you a request. And I ask, O God, that you'll send forth your Spirit, that you will bring forth miracles, anyone who is listening to this message, whether in this cafeteria or an MP3 three years from now, here's the word of God that you will send forth your spirit and bring forth new life. And I pray that we will pay close attention to Jesus' words, and I pray that we will understand how to participate in this miracle in other people's lives. So come and breathe on us in a way that magnifies your supreme worth. In your precious name I pray, amen. Will you please stand with me at the reading of God's word? The passage I'll be preaching, as I said, is verses 1 through 15 in in, um, John chapter 3. But the passage actually starts earlier, so I'll just read that, I won't preach it, but I think you'll see the the logical connection between these two. So chapter 2, verse 23 and following, listen with reverent awe to God's holy word. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, Because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? (laughs) Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, that which is born of spirit, of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? 
Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you of earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. It's a passage that many of you have read. It's a passage that is quite familiar to uh, some of us. It, it precedes verse 16, which most people can even quote, and even unbelievers can quote. This is a familiar passage, but I hope it's not so familiar that we lose out on the miracle that we see here. So Jesus here is truly, truly, I say to you, the word of God in flesh speaks the word of God to man. He starts off with saying, I tell you the truth about the necessity of new birth in verses 1 through 3. He says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is this messianic age that has broken into our time and space. That is to say, the Messiah, the Christ, the long-awaited one, all through the Old Testament, you see all these prophecies and these allusions and these types. It all leads to one person. He's here. You can't even see it unless you're born again. And so he talks to Nicodemus. Now, what do we know about Nicodemus? Most of the time in the Bible, a a character comes onto the scene and you only get a little phrase, maybe a couple phrases of a description of the character. This guy gets two verses. So it must be important that we understand a little bit about who he is addressing and why he would be addressing him. So Nicodemus, as you see, In chapter 3, verse 1, is a man of the Pharisees. A man of the Pharisees. So this is a legislative body, the Sanhedrin, of which there's a part called the Pharisees. And and this this Pharisees, they they have authority in Israel. They, They know the Old Testament very well. They are the conservative branch of the legislative system, the Sanhedrin. It's a smaller group in the Sanhedrin, made up of 70 people, plus one, a chief in there. But nevertheless, very prominent and very present, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were looked up to, admired, because they were conservative. They were Bible-oriented, Bible-based. Everything was Bible, Bible, Bible. He's a man of the Pharisees. He knew the Old Testament way better, at least on the surface, than we do. 
He memorized many portions of it. He studied it all the time. He went through the ranks. And in verse 10, you see, wow, he is the teacher of Israel. This guy has gotten up to the top. We might call him Reverend Nicodemus. Or or, or maybe Most Reverend Nicodemus. Mm, I'm going to go farther. Most Reverend Dr. Nicodemus. I mean, he is way up there. And there he is. And Jesus, who knows man and inside man, says these words to him. It also says he's the ruler of the Jews. That would refer to his authority and people revering and esteeming him. I mean, if anyone can get into the kingdom, if anyone can have eternal life, apart from faith, based on resume, here's the man. His resume is stellar. So he walks up by night to Jesus. By night. Commentators are all over the place with this. There's probably a little truth in all that they're saying. In John, it talks about uh, some coming to Jesus by night because they're afraid of the Pharisees. So he he might be breaking rank a little bit, looking left and right and saying, uh, Jesus, starting to talk. And I think that that's in part correct. Particularly when you go into chapter 7 and Nicodemus pops up again. And says something pretty good about Jesus. And the Pharisees say, hey, are, are, are you starting to, you know, hobnob with this guy? And then in chapter 19, he helps him off the cross, dead. And he wraps him up. And he, there's something going on in Nicodemus. If you read the Gospel of John. There he is by night, kind of talking to Jesus. Also, the prologue in the Gospel of John. When you read Gospel of John, reread verses 1 through 18 of chapter 1 about 5 to 10 times because there lies all the themes that then will be played out in 21 chapters. It's a powerful passage. And in it, you see light and darkness, and there are moral issues, right? Nicodemus comes by night, probably for a a variety of motives, But what he fails to understand is the midnight darkness of his own heart. He can't see his soul. He can't see what he truly needs. Rather, he puts himself forward as kind of a a judge. You know, in in a talent contest, contestants come before the judges... And the judges go, okay, who are you? What do you have to offer? Now, go. Maybe it's a tap dance. Maybe it's a flute. Maybe it's, I juggle ten balls. And he's going, hmm, okay. Uh, I'm going to rank you at, or I'm going to, uh, the son of God, the second member of the Trinity, please come, come forward and let me uh, look at you. Because he says, Rabbi, you see that? That's, that's esteem. He's a teacher in Israel. Rabbi, we know that you are a good teacher. Because 
God is with you. You, you do these signs, these miracles, and it, it's, it's looking pretty good for you. Really? If you want to look at the contrast in chapter 1, verse, I think it's 51, and you'll see another guy named Nathaniel who says, Rabbi, then you read his response. Those two look wildly different. This one looks a little cool, objective, kind of like this, going, Rabbi, we, we understand, you know, we know, we, we see, we know. <laughs> There's a play on words here completely. So this is the character that Jesus is now going to talk about, the necessity of new birth, the necessity of the work of the Spirit, the necessity of the work of the Son to reach his heart. Jesus says, verse 3, it says, Jesus answered him. He didn't ask any question, which gives me chills. Jesus knows the heart intimately and sees that, Nicodemus, you're coming to me based on your own resume, your own effort, your own accomplishments, self-improved, self-made man who believes you have the ability to kind of look me over to see if maybe I'm the Messiah or maybe I'm close or maybe I'm helpful in Israel. I hear something in your heart and I'm going to address it. Then he says in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot enter or he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's point number one, the necessity of new birth. If Nicodemus can't see and enter the kingdom of God, can't have eternal life, is damned, whom among us is safe? Look at your past. Look at your performance rating. Look at your ability to take 39 books of the Bible, namely the Old Testament, and quote almost all of it. Can anyone do that here? He's set up, and now Jesus is using him as an example that any and all need to be born again. Point number one. Well, Nicodemus kind of looks at him. I, I don't know if he's laughing. I don't think he's laughing, but there's some snideness or, or a little sarcasm there. I mean, he says, look at me. I, I, I'm old. Can an old man crawl back into his mother's womb and then come back out? Second birth? <laughs> Seriously? The, the son of man is going to say, oh, that's insightful. No, no, that's not what I meant. I meant, no. But he's, he's stunned. It's, he's, he's not believing. He's not understanding. And he, he says that here in verse 4. And Jesus answers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born... Of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. It's mysterious. It's wondrous. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from, where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Now, where is he getting this water spirit thing? I had a Bible teacher who walked me through that. I disagree. 
but I could see, you know, how someone probably could do that. Born of water, when we come into this world, our moms say, oh my, uh, my water just broke. And out comes the first birth. This is, I'm a human now. But now the Spirit comes at some point in our life and brings forth regeneration. And that's the second birth. I think better put, not just looking into biology, but but theology and biblical theology and go into the Bible. Maybe there's something that he is echoing and alluding to in the Old Testament that he's looking at the Old Testament scholar and says, you can follow this. Come with me to Ezekiel 36 and I'll show you. And so we go to Ezekiel 36. If you want to go there, I would encourage you to do so. And he says something about the necessity of the work of the Spirit, and it's like two aspects of the work of the Spirit. This is a new covenant promise. You can see it in Jeremiah 31. You can see it in Ezekiel 16. You can see it in a lot of places. This one, I think, he has in mind and he's talking to a scholar of the book of Ezekiel. <laughs> I just love it. And he says this in verse 20. Let's pick it up where, like, verse 24. I will take you from the nations and gather you from the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey and so on and so forth. There's two aspects here, I believe, that he is thinking when he's talking about talking to Nicodemus. It's to wash and to waken. The the first part of that is water and spirit. Water, sprinkling, cleansing. I think the idea here is in regeneration, past, present, and future sins are all washed away. We have been idol makers and idol lovers all of our lives. We have taken the affection that is due Jesus Christ and put them on infinitely less things. Bowing down to them, saying, please bless me if I give you my entire life. Cars, cash, vacations, relationships, sex, leisure, television, vehicles of all sorts of things, work, play, you name it. It's everywhere. Can you imagine having the Holy Spirit's washing 
every sin. It says all. I take it to mean all. Let it reach your heart. Past, present, future sins. Right down the drain. Never to be seen again. You are washed. You are cleansed. Depravity and filthiness and uncleanness is gone. And you are spotless. That is a promise of the new covenant. But then he he goes into this imagery. This imagery about something inside of us needs to change. It's like a heart transplant. Why would he talk like that? What is he actually getting at? Aaron, can you come up? I need need a hand to do this. So he he talks about two things. A, A darkened stony heart and and it's inside every human being prior to regeneration what's the point watch what happens to this rock it's phenomenal okay you ready are you still watching keep watching it's going to happen anytime it's not happening there's absolutely no response whatsoever. Almost sounds senseless. No, no feeling at all. Give me your hand. You can sit down. Flesh feels. Stones are senseless. And the, the central, blazing center of God's glory in Jesus Christ touches a heart. It actually touches a heart. And there is actual feeling of the worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an actual sensation. We, we're not just mental assent to a historical reality agreeing with facts and figures, our heart actually feels. The soul longs for and moves toward Jesus. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from mere academia, mere morality. It comes from the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit called regeneration, new birth, second birth. There's only two types of people on planet earth. And you don't divide them with color, creed, race, socioeconomics. You don't. It's not male, females. It's not. There are people who are born but one time. And there are people who are born two times. That separates mankind. Two types of people. We're talking about second birth. And second birth is by the Spirit, a whole cleansing. I'm totally forgiven. And then a fervor, a fervor when we see Jesus Christ in the pages of Scripture. We don't have to have someone say, sit up and pay attention, right? Because attention always follows interest. And interest is just riveted on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 36. Did Nicodemus get it? (laughs) 
Well, let's read on. Back to John chapter 3. He says, how can these things be? I think it's a good question. And he says, Jesus answered, you are the teacher and of Israel, and you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, bear witness of what we have seen. You do not receive our testimony. The issue here, folks, is not intellect. It's, it's not academic accomplishments, understanding the flow of a text in the words of a passage. You just don't believe. That's what he's saying to him. I've told you earthly things, referring to what we're just seeing here. Regeneration. That's the earthly thing. It happens here on planet earth. You didn't get it. So why would I tell you about heavenly things? I think he's referring to the end time consummation of the new heavens and new earth and all those wonderful things that we looked at with resurrection a couple weeks ago or months ago. Time escapes me anymore. And then he goes on to say this. Verse 13. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses Lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. And so now he goes from Ezekiel 36 to Numbers 21. We're not going to do that for sake of time, but it's just fascinating how he knows the Old Testament in front of an Old Testament scholar and just just pressing it right onto the heart. Here now he shifts from the work of the Spirit to the work of the Son. And there's two aspects, it appears to me, here. One is um, a coming down, and one is a lifting up. Jesus Christ, the second member of the eternal Trinity, at the right, proper time, was sent to earth, into a womb, Mary, given a body, came out seven pounds, six ounces, don't quote me. And he's Jewish, he is a carpenter's son, he is Nazareth, (laughs) he's nobody, and he's everything. And he's revelatory, that's the point here. He's revealing, John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you drop down, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. You understand it. It's the incarnation, right? And He's come as a man. Fully God, fully man, fully united. I don't understand it. I just worship Him. And he walked 33 years, give or take, to tell us who God is. He came down. Nicodemus thought he could climb the ladder and understand and he would be rewarded. No one climbs the ladder. God comes down and gives us this revelation. And then Jesus gives us his body. And that's the aspect of lift it up. 
and he's lifted up. I think John has a, a two meaning here. He's lifted up on the cross. Mm-hmm. Just like in Numbers 21, when the fiery serpents are nipping at the Israelites because of their rebellion, and some are dying, and they panic, and they say, Moses, what do we do? Tell God to do something. And God said, lift up a bronze serpent on a pole, and when you're bit, look away from your pain, look away from the bite, look away from the serpent, look away from yourself, be other-centered, be centered on the remedy. And they looked and they lived. That's the point. And so now he tells Nicodemus, I have come down. I am revealing God to you. And it's not just about this. I'm taking my body. I'm going to the cross. They're going to lift me up and they're going to lacerate me. They're going to pulverize me. And they're not doing it. It's the very wrath of God upon me to purchase you and wash you clean and give you the gift of regeneration. And this brutality becomes beauty as we see the resurrection and lift it up. I believe he's talking about both things here. Lift it up on the cross and then ultimately ascension and lift it up. He is glorified. Now here's how it comes together. The Spirit's work gives us sight and gives us feeling so that we see this grand and glorious Christ and we don't yawn. We don't get bored. We don't say, oh, I've got to go to church. Oh, I've got to read the Bible. Oh, I've got to go. We long for Him. And our longing is attached to Him. Our affections are placed on Him. Our hope and trust is on Him. Anyone who believes like that has eternal life. Does that represent you? Does that reflect you? Does that describe your experience? So let's take those three points and close with one application. 1 Peter chapter 1. And as I hear the kids behind me, I know that this will be short. 1 Peter chapter 1, he says this in verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all grass is flesh, like yeah, all flesh is like grass, all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So you connect the verse 23 to verse 25, and you see that through the living and abiding word, namely the word that was good news, the word, the gospel, the word that was preached to you, God brought forth new birth. You see that? Now look at the evidence. You drop down in verse two, chapter 2, and yeah, you, you put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander. But then look at verse 2. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up in salvation. If indeed 
you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so as, as I think about this, and as I think about Veritas, and I think about this moment right here, the application seems pretty apparent to me. What are we going to do with a message like this? Three things I want you to consider. First is, hear the word. Always come to the gathering. Always come to city group. If you have to say no to certain things, always get around the word. Somehow, some way, listen, hear, read the word, reflect upon the word. The word comes to you and brings forth life or resuscitates or renews or strengthens. Or, mm-hmm. And when that happens, now here's the evidence. As a newborn infant longs for the spiritual, pure milk of the word. Not only are we to hear it, but we're now to speak it. Speak it to yourself. Speak it to your spouse. Speak it to the next generation. Speak it to your colleagues and co-workers and neighbors. Speak it. Don't just hear it. Speak it. But speak it in a very interesting, lively way. Because you are longing for the milk. You've tasted of the milk. It's the Bible. It's the Word. It's the Word Spirit. And you, you just imbibe. You, you, you don't buck up. You, you suck up. Suck up the Word as much as you possibly can. And it enlivens you. And you speak this good news. And through the speaking, we saw that it brings forth regeneration in other people. I have a grandson. Yes, you knew it was coming. <laughs> I was going to bring pictures and maybe a slideshow, and I thought that's way too much. But his, his name is Micah. He's five months old. He's absolutely adorable. And now I watch him get hungry. And he's ravenous with his hunger. And he just tears after his mom. <laughs> What's he doing? He's showing that he's alive. And he needs, and he knows the source of milk, and he goes after it, and he sucks, and he sucks, and he sucks, and he sucks. That will sound really bad on the tape, won't it? And look around Veritas. If you want an image of a born-again believer with the Word of God and the Spirit of God, I mean, really, look around. We've got about 38 of these little ones. And they get ravenous, and they just suck. They just want. They're, they're hungry. They, they, they imbibe. They... That's what we're to be like with God's precious word and his Holy Spirit. And out of that comes a renewed interest in people who aren't born again. So, are you born again? And secondly... Are you helping others get born again? It's a miracle, I get it. You can't do it. No one can. But the Word of God, the Spirit of God, through the lips of born-again people, there it is. The third point there is pray. Pray for a miracle. Don't just pray for um, health-related, you know, the, the ankle is swollen, needs comfort. I get those prayers. I, they're good prayers, but that's not what I'm talking about. Pray for regeneration. 
Hear the word, speak the word, and pray for miracles among your lives. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. In Titus 3, it says this this work of the Spirit in washing and renewing comes from you who, who is good and who is loving and who is merciful. We can't do this. We would never earn this. And you just do it to us so that we will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love you for that. Press it upon our hearts and get us out there to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen.